Hey, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Sky Beckwith. And I'm Carrie Hartman. And we've got issues, girl. We are here to talk to you guys every week about politics, about women in politics. We're going to talk about real issues that affect our everyday lives. What kind of issues? What are women's issues? So you typically think of like, you know, abortion, equal pay, that kind of stuff as women's issues. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's... No. I think it's more than that. Women's issues are way more than that. They are... Taxes, union... Labor rights. Oh my gosh. Everything you can think of under the moon. They're trade agreements. Mm -hmm. They're economic issues. All of these things are women's issues. Of course, it is also abortion and equal pay and... You know, we all have to fight for those things, but everything that we do in our everyday lives is a legislative issue, it's a policy issue, it's a political issue, and I think that we haven't really been given an opportunity to have conversations around those things, so we're here to do that. Do you know what else is a women's issue right now? What? Ed Choice. Oh, God, girl. School vouchers is like the hot topic of the day. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about public education and why funding for our public schools is so important and why vouchers can be very damaging to our public school system. Mm -hmm. We have Sheena Barnes on later in the episode. Uh, She is a Toledo, Ohio public school board member. She was newly elected last November. She is an African-American queer woman on the school board, and she's the only African-American on the school board that serves a school district of 40% African-American kids. Like it's like how is she there's the only, only one African-American. african-american that's yeah. bizarre and yeah. so unfair but we're so excited to have her representing our families and the people of toledo there but school vouchers generally is an issue that affects everyone yeah, it's in the happening country. in 15 different states right now ed choice <sighs> is in 15 different states um and the reason why it's so controversial in the state of ohio right now is because they're expanding the program mm. actually um, to allow for more vouchers. And so what it does is it allows parents who are in failing school districts uh, to pull their kids out of the public school system and put them into private schools, and the state will fund that. The state. So will- you have tax dollars going from the public school system into private or religious schools. Yes. Which, sure, like the argument for it is you have families who are underserved and and disadvantaged can make a choice for their child if they want to take them out of these failing school districts. But then you are taking money away from failing school districts. So how do you ever succeed? Right. And, and everybody wants the best opportunity for their kids, especially women and mothers. And and that this is why this is such a a big women's issue, I think, but we have to think about it. Uh, communally and not just in our own self-interest sometimes. And so if we're pulling all these dollars out of public schools, what happens to the kids that are left behind in these public schools that don't have access to these private schools who are now getting state funding, but also don't have the same state regulations and same requirements that the public schools do like so look what for instance and and sheena's going to talk a little bit deeper about some of the things that have happened in in private schools but we have a friend meredith who had put her kids into private schools because she did not like the public school system and then look what happened to her kids they they don't have the same regulations that public school does so they can be expelled for any little reason whether like whether or not you participate in the pride well and it wasn't even the kids who were participating it was their their mother meredith who does work on her own time like how does that affect her kids how does that affect their performance it's so 
disjointed the way mm-hmm. that these schools and it's totally unfair it is so unfair when we see stories we've seen stories this week about um a, a young girl getting expelled for having a rainbow birthday cake because she's gay oh, and goes on. to a private school and she got expelled for that we see uh young men young african-american men being expelled from school because they wear long dreadlocks which right. is what is culturally appropriate to their family yet it's against school policy to have long dreadlocks which seems super racist but so fucking racist um, yeah so that's kind of what we see the problem is with these this ed choice legislation that keeps happening and it's being pushed by uh betsy devos the secretary mm-hmm. of education um and it, it we keep seeing it over and over in in different schools and on its face i think people think it's great to have this opportunity to send their kids elsewhere but what we should be doing is putting more money into our public school system mm-hmm. so that everybody can succeed yeah. and so we don't have to depend on these private schools who are not regulated and can kick your kid out for being gay yeah being gay yeah. being like yeah. any little thing i mean it's just it's so deeply rooted in racism and oppression and there are things that we can do to mm-hmm. move away from that i'm so excited to have sheena on later in the show to talk about her experiences um locally but nationally you guys can call your local representatives call your senators I mean, these people have a real effect on our everyday lives, and we have the power to change their minds on things. And even at a very local level, because I wholeheartedly believe that government happens at a local level, and so it it happens on your local school board. So whether or not you live in Toledo, Ohio, or you live in Mankato, Minnesota, or wherever you live pay attention to your local public school board who's being elected pay attention to who's being elected to your to your state house and your state representatives because this is where it's not always Betsy DeVos sometimes it happens in our own backyard so who's representing you who's representing your kids if you why what is the reason you won't send your kids to your public school is it failing how can we make this public school system succeed as a community I mean I think there are studies out there to show that diverting public money into the private school system doesn't do anything except help the public school system fail yeah Yeah. which is not what we need to do what we need to move towards is educating our youth so that they can be the next generation to represent us in this world absolutely it is time to start educating everybody on an equal basis yeah so some of the first things they start to do when they're when the public school systems lose this money is to take money out of the art programs take money out of you know after school programs it's just well and they also they when when you cut funding to public schools then the teacher salaries are also decreased yeah so then are you getting the best teachers that you could that money can buy probably not because teachers know that they can go to private schools and make twice as much and Mm -hmm. so then like you're just it's this cyclical yeah i mean it's a recipe for disaster absolutely and you know nobody wins and but we can find a whole bunch of money to be able to send our president to Mar-a-Lago right. uh, to golf and we can we can <laughs> fund all of these wars and all of these military expansions. Right. But we don't have enough money for our own children in our own backyard. And I think this is not just because women are, are mothers, which we are. We all need to, even women who are not mothers, need to kind of think about how are we helping children? This is our future. What's going to happen when we're gone? Totally. I mean, there's this sentiment that you can't support 
a school levy if you don't have kids, which is crazy. I hear that. Don't you hear that all I the time? All the Every time. time there's a school levy, you hear it like, see, well, my kids are senior citizens. School. Yeah, it yeah. comes from senior citizens and they say things like, oh, my kids already graduated. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to pay more money when I don't have kids in the school. So I'm yeah. like, first of all, living in a good school district ups your property value, yeah. number one. Oh, totally. So like, that's important if you ever want to move and sell your house. But also like, don't you just care about society in general in a <laughs> yeah. way to like improve? Like, we're only going to keep getting dumber and keep yeah. getting keep if we're not smart enough to like elect people that will represent us right. and we're just going to keep getting dumber we're going to keep represent keep electing people like donald trump and like we instead pour money into the public school system educate these kids so they yeah. can be better than us comp- compete on a world level and yeah. actually like push this country forward instead of like taking ten thousand steps back with our oh. current administration god it's so sickening On that note, let's take a little break. Uh And when we come back, we're going to talk to Sheena Barnes more about uh, public school systems and ed choice. I promise it gets better. Hey, Carrie, is your voter registration up to date? It is. And do you know an easy way you can check? Go to IWillVote.com. Okay. And you can... Plug in your name and your email and your zip code and it will tell you if your voter registration is up to date. And if it's not up to date, if it has the wrong address or maybe you've changed your name and gotten married or divorced recently, you can it'll then give you instructions on how to update it. You might oh, have look. to go to your local board of elections. It but takes it, me straight to the Ohio Secretary of State's website. I just can, clicked on it. You can register to vote online in, in Ohio. So yeah. This is perfect. So even so. if I'm not registered to vote at all, I can just go here and register online yeah in real time that's amazing yeah very easy so everybody double check because it's a very important year so double check that you're registered to vote at iwillvote.com Okay, now we are here with Sheena Barnes. Sheena Barnes is an African-American queer woman who last year ran for Toledo Public School Board, and she won. And we're so So proud to have her on the Toledo Public School Board. She's the only African-American on Toledo Public School Board right now, even though... Toledo Public Schools has 46% African-Americans, yes, right, yes. In, enrolled in school. So uh, this is a reason why representation matters. Um, but also she's a mother. Yes, mother of three. Mother of three. Yes. All been through or all currently in or been through yes, Toledo Public my Schools. My daughter graduated from Bowser High School mm-hmm. um, and is attending college in Youngstown State for mm-hmm. pre-law. And I have two little ones, a 12-year-old and a six-year-old currently in TPS School District. All right. How did you get started in politics? Um, actually, I started by volunteering on campaigns. Uh, it was for, at that time, uh, State Representative Paula Hicks Hudson's re-election for mayor mm-hmm. and also a good friend of mine, Nick Colmise, uh, for city council. Um, just by being present and kind of doing what I had time to do, um, getting involved and learning how these levels do affect us more um, at a bigger uh, scope than we thought than the presidential election. And so by then I became also aware of how important it is to take up spaces mm-hmm. in those seats for people who actually see the community for who they are. And uh, being an advocate, those things just kind of went together for me and eventually I decided to run. Awesome. So why uh, Toledo Public School Board? Why, why that seat? Um, 
Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time, but I saw the need of conversations we wasn't having on the public education level. Mm-hmm. Um, the the need to address trauma in our community with our youth um, and how it affects retaining education and uh, meeting requirements that the state level have decided that we needed to meet. Um, wasn't having an honest conversation about that. Um, but also the impact of housing securities, uh, gun violence, um, just so many things that I saw as a community health worker and as an advocate that wasn't being addressed, I think, um, in the local district that I felt if I didn't see anybody representing that, then I should be doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember working with you on Nick's campaign and you brought us into places where we wouldn't normally be. So you know, making sure that you had your community's voice heard in a way that wasn't traditionally heard during campaign season. I mean, you know, there's this idea that politicians only show up when they need money or when they need your vote. Mm -hmm. And it's so exciting to have someone who truly represents these communities and has had these experiences with your own children going through the school system. I mean, I think that's something that we have needed for a long time. And I think it's very important for the community to see that aspect as well, too. And just to share a quick story, when I was campaigning with Nick Kovmeis, he was introducing me as the next school board already. There you go. And and one lady said, well, when you come back, I'll be sure to vote for you. So when I went campaigning, I made sure that I attended uh, one of the LMHA complexes that we have, which is Lucas County uh, Housing Authority complexes. And she said, I remember you from last year and you yeah. said you was going to come back. You have my vote. And she actually called on her cousin cousins right there in front of me and made sure I stayed to make sure that they knew that I was seeing them Mm -hmm. and hearing their voices when it came to education. It's so powerful. Yeah. I want to know more about what campaigning was like for you. I know like I campaigned at the same time because I was I was running also um, and I think we had some pretty similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, Being women in politics is hard but also I want to hear more about what being a woman of color was like running for office, especially in some more neighborhoods that might not have been as receptive to a woman of color or a woman period. Because I I know that I was in neighborhoods that weren't like great about a woman running. But what was it like as a woman of color running? Um, I think definitely being a, a black woman. Uh, openly uh, queer Mm -hmm. had a lot of challenges Mm -hmm. um, and we had to try to figure out how to navigate through through those very finely Mm -hmm. Um, you know one of the things that women I think in general uh, face is the expectation of how you're supposed to present yourself absolutely Um, and I found that a lot uh, with you know hey you should wear heels to this this (laughs) event Mm -hmm. or you should try to put makeup on and it even got to the point where someone approached me and said you shouldn't cut your hair so short because you'd look less feminine Wow. Um, And uh, just trying to make sure I stayed true to myself in that was very challenging. Um, But it was even harder to focus on the message when you have people dissecting it for different reasons. Are you only caring about the black kids in TPS, Mm. which is Toledo Public Schools? Are you only caring about the LGBT kids in the public schools? And when you had to keep saying, when I had to keep saying, I am representing all students. Yeah. um, Really 
kind of challenged me mentally to say if we divide ourselves on a message then that means we still divided in the community yeah um and so just walking in those spaces like i said as a a woman uh queer woman and then a mother that was another thing that was challenging where people were like oh who's watching your kids or uh what about your kids and i'm like my kids have are fine yeah yeah you know yeah but and you see that narrative in the media where no one acts a male no, never running for never. anything how is your kids who's watching your right. kids yeah. um and so we once again i think dilute the power of what women do based on the labels that we have whether it's a mother or a daughter or you can't be you know uh intersexual feminist and hate mm-hmm. and and you, you gotta hate men and that's not right. true right mm-hmm. um and so just going through that uh as a first-time candidate was very challenging but i did surround myself with uh strong you know women uh strong lgbt folks and and strong black folks in the community to make sure that i didn't lose myself kind of and and the I could say biases mm-hmm. about how I identify mm-hmm. myself in every category. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I saw is, can you do this job because of A, B, and C? And they wouldn't really um, concern um, about what I bring to the table. Right. Which I think is a hell of a lot. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, that was the most challenging, I would say. Um I do know that some doors were closed on us or not open to us because I am a black woman. Uh, We had neighborhoods, uh, which I was really afraid to go into without, you know, my white counterparts, because I know I've been in those neighborhoods canvassing before and had police called on me. Yeah. You know, and so that was something that uh, our campaign team had to really uh, be aware of. Um, We had situations where one of my uh, actually my campaign manager her uh, materials for my campaign was taken out her hand, snatched out her hand, I should say, and actually the door was closed on her. Wow. Um, once again, I don't think that would have happened if she was white. Right. Um, so things like that did happen to us. Um, or we was told, and what I was told in certain spaces, I wasn't welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing whether it was because I was black or because I was queer, I'm not for sure. Um, but those things we did have to go through unfortunately now those are some of the challenges but did you see on the other side where you were inspiring more people to vote especially women of color to vote where perhaps like they may have felt disenfranchised in the past because when you have to vote for white men after white man after white Mm man that i can see where you lose dis you you get disinterested and you don't want to vote anymore because there's no one serving you or representing you but were you in neighborhoods and were you talking to other women who were like oh yeah finally there's somebody that looks like me and is going to represent me and my kids like Mm -hmm. did you do you have experiences like that too? i did i had a lot of great experiences like that because one i'm in the communities Mm -hmm. you know my kids are in the school district Mm -hmm. that was very important to some of the uh, voters that I came across Um, and they actually see me do advocate work in Mm -hmm. the community already so it wasn't like I'm just coming to take up the seat and not actually hear your voice it's like oh I know she cares because this is affecting her yeah her children and so a lot of women I think really like supported me more because I was doing something they know that most people who look like us are not open or welcome to do. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I did get a lot of support. 
Tell me more about advocating for your own kids, because I know that you've really had to go mm-hmm. pretty far, farther than most parents have had to uh, because of some difficulties that you've had in the public school system. Yeah. So actually, each of the situations that my own kids went through actually kind of geared me more to wanting to change things um, or work on things, I should say, mm-hmm. in Toledo Public Schools. Um, the first instance with my daughter, she had a 4.3 GPA. Um, and the counselor didn't know her name to give her a scholarship that she could have got. Wow. Um, and that was very devastating because she qualified for the scholarship because she was an African-American female, and that opportunity was missed because they couldn't pronounce her name. Wow. Oh, my God. Um, and so, you know, following that, my youngest, uh, who was on the autism spectrum, uh, was at nonverbal at the time, and I remember sitting in the IEP meeting very unprepared because I never had those before, mm-hmm. um, and they were trying to give him a tablet and not hear my voice of he's working on verbal skills and I want him to continue. And the message that was kind of presented to me was it will be ch- more challenging for that teacher. Wow. Um, so let's do something that's more effective versus that's actually helping him to be more effective. And so um, I had to call resources and I actually had to get an able lawyer for education to actually help me fight to make sure that my son received the correct IEP um, to continue his education and knock on what has been good since then. Um, And the final thing was that my oldest son experienced, we experienced a drive-by in our complex because we used to live in, uh, you know, low-income complex um, until we just got our house. And my daughter and myself, being from Flint, Michigan, is used, unfortunately, to gun violence. But my oldest son and my youngest son have never experienced that because they was kind of raised here. So being his first kind of initial experience, he really experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw how it affected his life at home, but definitely in the school where he was doing good and on the honor roll till he fell off. Mm. Um, And working with the principal there who's an amazing principal um, and the counselor, we got him back on track, of course, with therapy mm-hmm. and medications because he did develop anxiety and depression. Wow. Um, but once again, I saw that this is affecting more than just my son. Yeah. And if we're not addressing it, then we are losing kids to anxiety, depression of their environmental factors. And we need to be honest about those. And so those three things kind of really started, you know, having me to ask questions about you know, who can make these changes? Who can be my voice? Yeah. Um, and I literally, I think a lot of people do what they don't feel qualified enough. Yes. Was looking, Especially women. Yes. Especially was, was women. looking for someone mm-hmm. else. I was like, okay, somebody has to represent me somewhere. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, another young lady, African lady, uh, was running and I was like, that's my hope. Yeah. And unfortunately she didn't get the position of school board. And I felt like, okay, I need somebody else. Yeah. I need somebody else. And one of my friends was like, you looking for everybody that, is really you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I have enough experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I have enough knowledge mm-hmm. um, and education to say I can do this. And, you know, with the support of my children, mm-hmm. I got it done. So, yeah. yeah. I, and I think that's awesome. And women often have to talk themselves into running for office exactly. or be asked a number of times to run for office where I feel like white men just wake up in the morning and they're oh, like yeah. oh yeah oh school board Psh, that's easy I could run for right. school board like that's a totally. piece of cake yeah. where like women have to like am I qualified should I study for this mm-hmm. should I how many people are going to ask me before I actually do this and mm-hmm. that's like one of the biggest 
reasons, I think, why, I mean, we've seen men and men and men run for office yes. and we need more women to run and it's yeah. time for, we want we want to start talking to women in a way that like, you're ready. Yes. You're ready. You know what you're talking about. You're yeah. ready. You've advocated for your children. You right. know you can represent this district. Just, just go for it. So I'm so glad that you did. We are so lucky to have you yes. representing. Well, thank you. Um, so let's pivot a little bit to uh, Ed Choice. I know this has come up recently locally um is this it's it's pretty controversial can you explain it to us a little bit and is it something that's only affecting ohio um so what it ed choice is is where if you are in a failing school district right now in ohio um you have the opportunity to go to a private or charter school um on the surface and that's why i think most parents understand because we are not uh, very transparent with our communi- uh, communication okay. about the real effects. And so the real effects means where you have a choice to choose what's best for your student. And that's by any means from my point of view. This is not the board of Toledo Public Schools saying mm-hmm. this. I think mm-hmm. as a parent, you have the right to do what's best for your children. Um, where it becomes a problem, I would say, for public education is now that, well, before too, but we are paying for your child to go to that best choice that you feel. Mm. Um, and that's taking away from funding and resources for our students. Um, and with the new requirement or the new passing of this, that means anybody in a felling district can go to uh, the school of their choice mm-hmm. and we will be stuck with a bill. Yeah. Um, what is a what is a failing school? Can you tell us what a failing school means and like what are the like how do you become a failing school? So, um, in my honest opinion, a failing mm-hmm. school, uh, according to the state, is those who have uh, low graduation rates, mm-hmm. um, low K through uh, K readiness, and it's other different like factors we get graded on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at it and look at how it or who it affects as far as districts you will see that it's usually you know either high poverty mm-hmm. or high students of color areas okay. or most likely both so some of the more the wider districts mm-hmm. across ohio probably are not getting these failing grades as much as more of the inner city school districts like in the big cities toledo cleveland are they all getting failing grades most likely all of them are failing mm-hmm. um i know it had a big factor in Youngstown mm. where actually the board was taken over by state, oh, wow. which is something that we do not want to do. And at one time we was actually um, almost in the same situation. And we had one board member who stepped up and amplified that this is bias and is race is pretty much rooted in racial mm-hmm. and economic disadvantage uh, discrimination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so once you are declared a, fair, a felling district, any student, even if they have not attended un- under the new uh, ruling, can go to a, a school of their choice. So that means even any private school, any, like private, any private school, school, any in, the, school. in in a, in your area. Uh, yes, correct. Okay. Um, and so it is taking resources from our yeah. school. Um, and so when you actually look at the things that factor is one, we don't know um really how these schools are graded compared to ours because it's not even released right um during some research um with a couple other board members from different districts you can find that um well i found out that they actually are not exceeding our level they actually either are the same level or below ours for Mm -hmm. prepping these students and so it's really an unfair thing to say that you're better when Mm -hmm. you're not releasing that you're pretty much on the same standards or below our standards well and also they have different 
uh, requirements and regulations, right? Like some of these schools are private schools. Some mm-hmm. of them are religious schools yes. and they can expel children yes. um, because because of any reason, right? Like, yes. I think you have a, a an example from a private school of a, yes. a kid that got expelled. Correct. Can you show that with us? Yes, but I will say before that, mm-hmm. that's also even welcoming school uh, students. So like my mm. son, who's six years old, who have behavior problems on the spectrum, he wouldn't be the, oh. the go-to student to well, be welcomed in some of these spaces. So, oh, so they yeah. can say no. That's they oh, can absolutely. say no. And that's how they, quote unquote, look better because yeah. they're not faced with the challenges that most public education schools have. Right. Sure. They don't have the different behaviors, the, you know, different uh, cognitive levels sure. that we are working with in our students. Um, and also, if you're not in standards with, say, for an instance, uh, that happened here in Toledo, the religious point of view, uh, they can then discriminate against you too and actually expel you. Like, So the situation that I came uh, aware of, and I can't remember if it was three years ago or not, um, a young man who was is an awesome human. I met him, and his mother is amazing advocate. Um, literally was told to cut his hair, his mm-hmm. locks, yeah, because wow. they were past shoulder length, and he actually complied to cut it. He did to cut it a little bit. Okay. Um, because this is actually a cultural, religious thing for them. Sure. He's um, an African American. Yeah. He had long locks, dreadlocks. Right. Yes, correct. Yeah. And um, so he actually his mom and him. Um, you don't try to, uh, I guess, address it by cutting a little bit mm-hmm. and wearing it in a ponytail and that wasn't good enough for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they even moved to actually expel his sister wow. who does not have locks, um, which we couldn't understand. What is it because of the family and they're pushing back or it was very complicated. What was the reason? Why did he, it was just against school standards it's to a, have long hair as a man or what? It's against school, school policies. Um, but wow. once again, that depends on who you're talking about. Sure. You know, and sure. they won't say it was discrimination discrimination on a racial factor, but you have to look at the facts. Right. Um, How many white kids did they make cut their hair? Exactly. So. And, you know, and it was a lot of pushback because, you know, if you go to that school, you should, you know, do what the policies say, but you can't go to the school and be you. And that's another thing that we have to be honest about when we are talking about, especially religious schools mm-hmm. and private schools, they want you to be what they think you should be so you're not welcoming Mm -hmm. of all students like you know public schools are Mm -hmm. um and and facing the facts that they do have experienced a lot of racism in those areas Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately you can't address it without looking like the bad guy but how can we fight for our students if we can't address that? Yeah. So what do you what do you say to those parents who they know they're in a failing school dis- district in Ohio? They know they want the best education for their kid. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them who, when they might want to pull their kids out of public school and take the advantage of this opportunity to send their kids to you know whatever private school? Like what do you what's what's your argument? How do you how do you tell them no? Keep your kids in public school. This is important for. Tell tell us why that's important. Um, I would say want want what best is for best for your students, but get the facts. Mm-hmm. Are you pulling this student out of a quote unquote failing school district and going here because you think it's better? Um, and what is that factor that makes it better? Because it's not the preparation for that student. We already have those data, mm-hmm. that data that's, that's proving that wrong. So is it the image that they provide? And when you look at that image. Is it, do you know it's because of what our dollars are doing for that image? Mm-hmm. Um, so breaking out the facts, I think, is something that I wish parents will do when trying to make the decision. 
um, but also look at how can you get more involved to make those changes for TPS or any public education. If you feel like they're failing in the, um, a, a, a certain area, mm. not saying you should be like me and be over sort of and run for school board, mm. but uh, volunteer, know your teachers, know mm-hmm. your principals, know who's on the school board to hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe with that and education about what's the true factors of this ed choice voucher, um, I think people will make a, a decision to stay in public education. I think you segued into something that's really important and about how women can get involved mm-hmm. in, in their school and in, in, in public education are so just for example, Toledo public school board, can anyone go to those meetings? Can, can you just go and watch? Yes. So anybody is welcome because actually a public, uh, event, mm-hmm. um, open to the public. And that's how I actually started to get involved more is where, I was pissed mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. wanted to know who to hold accountable. Yeah. Um, and I started attending meetings and I started to learn who I should be talking to. Yeah. Um, and inserting myself into a space yep. that right. may have not been for me as a parent at that time right. um, to ask those uncomfortable questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would encourage women to do that in every sector. Um, Absolutely. And, um, you know, politics is not just about our reproductive care um is everything that we do in the community in our household and we shouldn't start inserting ourselves and not demanding to be in a space but creating a space for us because if we demand we have to ask for permission and i don't need permission from nobody to make changes in my world i often say that i've had to kick many doors down in my career because i'm not welcome or a space wasn't created for Mm -hmm. me and i just kick the doors down and hello, I'm here. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Take me as I am. Like you, I've kicked the door down. So how can our listeners help you in what you're doing on school board? So I am on Facebook, uh, Sheena Barnes for TPS. I'm on Twitter under Flint underscore queen. Um, I do a lot of advocating on social media, but also if you see a concern in your public education, write your state officials. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one way you can get involved that is very easy for you to do. Learn who your state, state officials are. Write them um, explaining why you stand for against Ed Choice. Uh, send them emails, make videos, uh, calling them out because we need to make sure they are, are held accountable to make sure that we all have a voice in the matter. Awesome. Thank you That's so um, much, yeah. Sheena. We're so proud of you. And also, every time you mention Flint, I just want to ask one more question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Does Flint have access to clean drinking water yet? No, we do not. Um, and no matter what the media say, there are still um, incidents of where people's skin are breaking out in rash. And nice. also follow me on social media because I do do Flint water drives. She sure does. A lot of them. And um, it's yeah. so important. And it's, it's really important. It is. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're really happy to have you on our first episode. And we're so proud of you. And can't wait to advocate alongside of you. Well, thank you for having me. Sheena, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, you can find her on Facebook at Sheena Barnes for TPS. Make sure you join us next week for a brand new episode of We've Got Issues, Girl. We'll be talking to Reem Sobey, the first Muslim woman to ever run for the Ohio Senate. You don't want to miss this interview. This has been a Girls Girls Media production. Our music today is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And New Hampshire girls, your primary is next Tuesday, February 11th, and you have same-day registration. Grab your friends and get out and vote, girl.